We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On today's Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, we'll be talking rankings. We'll be talking about how sick we are of ranking tight ends and and Taysom Hill in particular. I have Chris Towers from CBS joining us right now on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by No House Advantage. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Chris Towers. We are brought to you by NoHouseAdvantage.com. It is week six, the first week of bye weeks, and uh, a lot of dilemmas that we have this week, as we do every week. It's always a wild and crazy week. I'm here with Chris Towers from CBS, a very busy man, does football and baseball like myself. I always appreciate that, that you can try to balance both uh, jobs at once. Chris, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good, yeah. Try to balance both of them. You know, occasionally you... You, you got to give up one or the other. But right now we're blessedly all all about football. And yeah, I actually, I don't know, blessedly, just because I had a little existential malaise trying to go through my rankings process on Monday night. You know, you know, that was what you responded to with the tight ends was just like, oh, God, we really have to rank these guys like right. It almost it, it we're being set up for failure, really, yeah. is what it comes down to at the tight end position. There are so few good players that it's just. We really, we really have to figure out where Kate Otten ranks. That's really yeah. where things are. It's, it's unacceptable. And I have to pick him up in legs too. That's, that's the worst part. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I, we'll, we'll get to it. I'm sure. I'm sure you've got a whole plan. So I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's rough right now. It's rough right now. Yeah. Well, let, you know what? Let's rip off the bandaid, get the hard part over with first, and I'll be downhill from there. Let's talk tight ends. If unless you reached up, you got Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews, or you stumbled into Taysom Hill one week, although there's other weeks that haven't worked out well, yep. it's been brutal. Oh, Dallas Gardner's been fine. Zach Ertz has been fine. I, I don't want to just besmirch, besmirch their good names. But we had eight touchdowns from Kelsey and Hill last week and five from other tight ends combined <laughs> last week. It, <laughs> it's just, just it's rough out there. I mean, even like Tyler Higbee has been mm-hmm. pretty good for fantasy. You know, sure. He's got 48 targets through five games. He's my number four tight end this week just because if you're going to get 10 targets per game, you're going to be good for fantasy. But even that, like, you watch the Rams' offense, and it never seems like it's a good idea when no. they're passing to Tyler Higby. It's always like nobody else can get open. He's open in the flat, so he picks up five yards, and that's all their offense can do right now. It kind of feels like you know Najee Harris, all the targets he got from Ben Roethlisberger last season where it was just – 
he couldn't do anything else really. It's a, it's a product of the dysfunction of right. the offense rather than anything Tyler Higby's doing. And hey, we'll we'll take if he's going to keep getting you know nine point eight targets per game or whatever it is, we'll take that because nobody else is getting anything. But it's also like if Van Jefferson comes back and shows anything, are they really going to keep targeting Tyler Higby? If Allen Robinson, I think he's probably washed up. But if he can get going at all, I think Tyler Higby's probably going to be in trouble. So it's it's a tough position to to be in right now where. You know, Zach Ertz is kind of the same thing. He's He's got 11 red zone targets or something. I think he leads all tight ends in red zone targets. Right. Maybe not after Travis Kelsey's performance on Monday night. But uh, but even that's like, yeah, but DeAndre Hopkins is coming back. That's not going to continue. Zach Ertz is going to lose a decent number of targets when DeAndre Hopkins comes back. So it's going to come down to a situation where are there going to be four good tight ends? You know, right. when, like, and, and I mean, good is relative. You know, I, I guess there are only ever four good tight ends or maybe two, but I still believe in Kyle Pitts. I, I just, because who else are you going to start? You know, I asked that question right. last week before he got hurt, before he missed the game. And, and I got a lot of, I'll start anyone over Kyle Pitts at this point. And it's like, well, the universe heard you. And yeah. now yeah. You, like, if you started Mike Gesicki or Irv Smith or Tyler Conklin, Tyler Conklin's the number five target on the jets right now. Like, we're really going to start these guys over Kyle Pitts. So yeah, it's, it's a mess right now. And by the way, Tyler Conklin top 15 tight end this week for me. Yeah. Even though he's Zach Wilson's number five target. That, that's got him just at how 10. bad it is. I've got him at 10 right there. It's awful. There. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. So Taysom Hill is not a tight end. He ha- he doesn't line up at tight end. Somehow <laughs> he's listed there because one coach comment in the off season, how we're doing away with the quarterback experiment there. Okay. He's a tight end. Fine. All the services, I think, except for DraftKings, basically, uh, have them at tight end. So we can gnash our teeth all we want. You can't change your league rules. Uh, I've, I had a push in two of my leagues to try to disallow him to be a tight end. But he's there. He he exists. But he doesn't even play that many snaps. Mm-hmm. He just had the ultimate lightning in a bottle game against Seattle. I, I know it's a trap. And yet I, he's still in my top ten this week. He, he's number nine for me. And exactly. It's my basically, yeah. like – the one thing is he, so he's had two long runs I think he had like an 80 yard touchdown in the first game, or maybe he didn't get in, but it was a long right. run. He had the 61 yard touchdown last week. Then he had two, two shorter touchdowns. Um, I think he only has four red zone carries all season. I think he has three from within the 10 yard line. So it's, it's not even like you can say, well, he's getting all these opportunities. It's just right. like he happens to have scored from 12 yards out. Right. I mean, he's a he's a good runner, but he doesn't average 12 yards per carry, so you can't expect him to score in that situation every week. So it it's really just that he's a touchdown or bust tight end, and I think his chances of scoring a touchdown are higher than Mo Ali Cox or Tyler Conklin or Kate Otten or Cole Komet or any of the other guys behind him. But right. I mean, it's really it, it's a it's like Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard. I think you can throw Tyler Higby, Zach Ertz, and David Njoku there. Maybe George Kittle at this point. Maybe Gerald Everett. And Maybe then after Hayden that, And then after that, it's just a random number generator. It's yeah. just who catches, you know, who randomly gets the Evan Ingram week five game where he got seven targets or whatever and caught six of them, or mm-hmm. who randomly gets into the end zone. It, it's it's a really tough spot to be in when you're trying to rank them. It's a really tough spot to be in when you're trying to figure out who to start. And it's why Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews, you know, I, I think they give you 
arguably the biggest edge on your competition you can have. That's why they're, you know, I've argued that they're first round picks the last couple of seasons. And, you know, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. I think we're in an interesting place with fantasy football where the, the quarterback and tight end positions, like getting one of those elite guys right now is such a huge advantage. You know, like Josh Allen, I've got Josh Allen. I, I, I wrote a lot this offseason about how the early round quarterbacks were probably being undervalued and you should probably make sure you're one of the first few people to take one. And I mean, all my leagues where I have Josh Allen, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Um, it's yeah, that those like if you started Josh Allen and Travis Kelsey this this year, you've got, I mean, a 15 point edge on your average opponent every week just from those positions. That's it's so funny good. how the narrative has changed with Kelsey. There, you know, before the Tyreek Hill trade, there was a lot of talk. Kelsey's not the number one tight end. It's a fool, a fool's errand to take him in the first round. As soon as Hill got traded, everything changed, obviously. Uh, but you know, even for a little while, thought that the gap may have narrowed between he and Mark Andrews. And Andrews is great. You're you're yeah. perfectly content if you drafted Andrews in the second. So this isn't a knock on Andrews, but. You know, it's more things change, the more they stay the same. I guess the takeaway is how, you know, how aggressive are you going to be on those two? And is there a third that you're going to be like, is there, is it wait till the fifth round on any other tight end or later? Um, or what, what's the lesson here? We'll see what happens with Kyle Pitts. You know, he, he oh, yeah. just turned, he turned 22 six days ago. True. Like that's, that's the point that I keep trying to hammer home is like, mm-hmm. oh, he's been disappointing. He wasn't that good last season. He was 20 when he made his NFL debut. He didn't turn 21 until week five of his rookie season. He just turned 22. Like most 22 year old tight ends are still blocking on Saturdays. Yeah. And this guy is like, this guy is like, we're we're like, I'm finished with him. I'm never trusting him again. It's like, well, hold on. Let's see. Like, I know his situation is bad, but he's still getting a lot of downfield targets. He's still a supremely talented player. That offense is going to have to pass more than they have so far. I that's right. I imagine they will. So like, I still think Kyle Pitts can be a difference maker. I still think, you know, Dallas Goddard like he doesn't get the volume that some of the other guys get. He's only averaging under six yards or six targets per game. But it feels like every single time he touches the ball, there's no one within 15 yards of him. Like the Eagles are just so good at dialing up plays where he has the ball in space. He's great with the ball in his hands. That. I still think Goddard, like if we were redrafting, I would probably have Goddard in like the fifth round. I think um, he, him and, and Hill are probably the only ones that I would still view as kind of early round because we've seen like Hawkinson followed up a massive game with one catch for three yards, I think. So like I'm yeah. not trusting him. Um, you know, Kittle and Waller, things have been as bad as their their worst detractors thought they might be this season i'm not sure how much better things are going to get for them um so yeah it's it's tough you know we're going to be looking at kelsey as a 34 year old next season and drafting him in the first round that's going to be a little scary there's not you know you're basically talking about like tony gonzalez as the only tight end to a tight end who's ever been good at that age but he might still be worth it i mean he's not really showing any signs of slowing down no as long as he doesn't like take a hit in the wrong space, wrong mm-hmm. spot, basically. Uh, I, I, I kind of tend to think that that that's pretty bankable. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really awful. What, what is a good buy low trade for Kyle Pitts right now? Ooh, good buy low trade for Kyle Pitts right now. Um, I would try to move someone who I think has played a little over their head so far. So maybe like, like Clyde Edwards, Elaire. I yeah. would do that. I think Clyde Edwards-Elair is going to be 
I've consistently ranked him in like the 25 to 30 range this season. And week five was kind of the only time that it's worked out. But I think yeah. given the usage, you know, no, no games with, I think one game with more than nine carries. Um, I still think he's someone who is more like a low end RB two. Um, I would look to move like Christian Kirk. You know, I still think he's going to be good, but given the depth at the wide receiver position, I think I'd like, I think their production moving forward should be fairly similar. Yeah. And I'd rather have Kyle Pitts just with the, the upside and the edge he gives you at tight end. Alan Lazard, you know, he's someone I feel like how you felt about Alan Lazard coming into the season colors, how you view him now. And sure. like he has one game with more than 45 yards. So I was a pessimist coming into the season. So that's exactly what I expected. If you liked Alan Lazard, you're going to point to he has a touchdown or 100 yards in every game. So, you know, depending on what the person who you're trying to trade Alan Lazard to thought about him coming in, you know, that's going to color how much they value him. But if I could move Lazard for Kyle Pitts, I would do that. Yeah. I'll throw Jeff Wilson as a possibility too, uh, because he's been, he's coming off a really good game. Mm-hmm. The Niners clearly like him, but Mitchell will come back at some point in time. They found, they've rediscovered Tevin Coleman's existence. Uh, I think Kittle gets involved at some point. I think this has been a worst case scenario so far, but it's also been a game flow sort of thing too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is like, you're offering current value. Now people aren't like, Oh, you're not going to get me with that Jeff, Jeff Wilson trap or something like that. You might actually be able to pull that one off. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I, I, I do think Wilson, the problem is like there aren't going to be a lot of RB1 weeks for him just because he doesn't catch yeah. passes. So it's like he kind of has to get a touchdown to be an RB1, but he's sure. going to get, you know, 80 yards from him pretty much right. every week. I feel pretty confident in. So, you know, that that's one where it, it might depend on what your situation is. If you have to go from starting Jeff Wilson as your RB2 to starting Daryl Henderson. I probably wouldn't do it, but if I have, Fair. you know, Melvin Gordon, I would feel okay letting go of, of Jeff Wilson because I think yeah, Melvin I think Gordon's that's going right. to be good enough. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I, I think the volume will, at least will be there, uh, even though Boone is going to cut into him a little bit, yeah. even though they might have other options too. Uh, we'll see about Latavius Murray. He'll probably be active on Monday night, and we'll see what he does to that mix. Could just be an ugly mess, but I do think Gordon's the main guy still, even yeah. despite all of that. Uh, we're talking rankings with Chris Towers, but before we do that, quick note from our uh, friends on the Blue Wire Network. This Rotowire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit, Factor. I gave Factor a try, and I can tell you firsthand, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, and they're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from. And there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor is the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep, there's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle and you can't dedicate an hour plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal. Pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. 
Factor is also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50 to get 50% off today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All of RotoWire's podcasts are hosted on the Blue Wire Network. We appreciate your indulgence in hearing their ads. Uh, let's talk quarterbacks because I think you may, you kind of alluded to this earlier. Quarterbacks are, are just as top heavy as tight ends. It seems like when I was doing my rankings, I got to like 10, 11. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm really going to do this thing with Geno Smith. You know, <laughs> yep. I'm really going to. What do we think about Kirk Cousins in the Heat in Miami? I don't. I don't know. He's played one true road game all year. Um, We'll see what happens there. I know Miami's got a really bad secondary, but the one time they played in Miami against Buffalo, they they were very effective in shutting things down. Um, I, I'm worried about Cousins this week. I, yeah, I mean, I think even you could go a little higher. I think like the top five, I feel really good about Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert in some order. Herbert hasn't been quite as good, but you know, I, I feel good about him moving mm-hmm. forward. After that, you've got. Kyler Murray, who I think will be very good when DeAndre Hopkins is back, but he's stagnated, arguably taken a step back as a passer. That that offense just seems really unimaginative. Um, Tom Brady, okay, I feel good about him. The volume the last couple of weeks has been ridiculous. He'll be fine. Yeah. Joe Burrow, what's the upside? You know, if, if this offense can't figure out how to take the top off, teams have really teams have figured out a way to slow this offense down by playing very straightforward two high safety coverages and rushing four. I mean, I think the, I think the stat I saw was the Ravens. It was like their lowest percentage of blitzes in like several years. They only blitzed on like three plays total or something. So it's just rush four, drop two guys back, take the top off the, the offense. And they're, they can't, they haven't figured out a way to, to counter that. I think they will, but right now it's really hard to trust And New Orleans. is a good defense. So yeah. I've I'm got, with you on that. I've uh, got Trevor and, Lawrence as a top 10 guy. I've got Aaron Rodgers, who's not really playing well as a top 10 guy. He's got four straight multi-touchdown games, but the upside is pretty low. So yeah. it's like maybe six or seven guys that I feel good about at quarterback. Yeah, and I share your angst about Burrow and, and then some. I am uh, one of three uh, Bengals fans on the West Coast out here. So, <laughs> you know, you know the, the offensive line isn't as bad as last year, but it's not fixed either. Um, yeah. 
they the Ravens played even a single deep safety at many times, and still Chase's air yards were like fifty total. Yep. I mean, it, it was it, he plus they're not hitting any of these slants. They're not getting him out in the open field at all. I mean, yep. You took you take away Higgins, and it really takes a lot out of the offense there too. I mean, it makes it a lot harder. We saw Higgins with a lot of big games earlier on. Uh, he keeps getting hurt in various ways, uh, yeah. so that, that's that's been really tough to see. Um, and I don't think Joe Mixon has the same sort of bounce as he had last year. Uh, I, I think he goes down with contact a lot easier than he did in the past. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there. He's he's dealt with a lot of injuries in his career. He's had a lot of mm-hmm. touches. I mean, he still gets 20 touches every week. Um, right. You know, I joked that the uh, the one the one drive where they had uh, first and goal from like inside the five and through four straight passes was like the first time Zach Taylor hasn't called a run on first down in his entire career as a coach. Um, right. And so, you know, that, th- like, that's another one, like the, you know, a less extreme version of the Rams where the lack of downfield playmaking has just, has made it really, really difficult for Joe Burrow to do anything. You know, yeah. Mixon had a ton of targets the first four games because they're just trying to get the ball out quickly. Last week, his targets kind of went away and, that was a little concerning for Mixon because that hasn't been the way he's been used throughout his career. So if he's going to be an inefficient rusher and, you know, I think we're going on four years now of right around four yards per carry. So I think it's, you know, not unreasonable to think he'll be a little inefficient. Right. If he's not going to get the, you know, if this offense isn't as explosive as it was and the the scoring opportunities aren't going to be as plentiful, it's a little worrying with Joe Mixon. I think there's a, you know, the Bengals, you just kind of bet on talent. Right. You know, there's so much talent there that they have to figure it out, but maybe it's more like the ninth best offense in the league as opposed to the fourth best offense like we thought they would be. Right. Exactly. And I I I'm definitely very concerned. The flip side is the defense is better than I thought they'd be too. I mean, they haven't allowed a second half touchdown all year. That's uh, impressive. Yeah. Uh there, there's there's some it's a shame that they're wasting it. I mean, this is this is a team that easily could be 5 and 0. I mean, yeah. All the things that, that needed to happen to lose to Pittsburgh. I mean, and that, that loss is looking worse and worse by the week, by the yeah. way. Um, uh, just they, it's hard to give that one back, get that one back. Uh, it really is, yeah. especially because post by the schedule is going to be tough. Right now is when the Bengals have to make hay. I mean, they do have, I mean, the Saints are, this is a tough matchup on the road, but it's, it's a winnable game. They have Carolina exactly. coming up, they've got Atlanta coming up. They got to take care of business in these games because after the break, you've got the Bills, the Chiefs, the Bucks. It's going to get a lot harder. Yeah, that's a that's a tough spot. And I guess the the thing is like you can look at it both ways, right? You can look at it and say there's so much talent that they'll figure it out at some point. Mm-hmm. Or you can look at it and say, well, if they haven't been able to figure out against the bad teams or the the mediocre teams, you know, why are things going to get so much better? Like the the Ravens over the past couple of seasons since the start of the 2021 season, I believe they've given up the most plays of 20 plus yards of any team in the league. Entering week 5, they had allowed I think it was the the most catches on passes that were thrown at least 11 yards down the field of any team in the league. The the Bengals had four completions of 11 or more yards right. in week five. That's right. really, really tough to do against the, like, the Ravens have given up big plays to everyone. I mean, the, right. the Dolphins game was obviously a huge example of that, but everyone's moved the ball down the field against the Ravens the past couple of seasons. And the Bengals with... You know, even without T. Higgins, Jamar Chase should be able to get the job done. And the fact that he hasn't been is it's been weird. His his yards per catch is almost half of what it was last season. Exactly. Expected regression, but I mean eighteen yards to like ten and a half yards is is ridiculous. It's right. Been I, weird. 
opposing teams did their research. They did their mm-hmm. studying, their planning, and the Bengals feel like they haven't counter-adjusted to that you yet. Gotta, you, there's the adjustment, and then there's the adjustment to the adjustment. And that's the yep. that's always the thing with young players. It's like you can and it's in every sport. You know, you can catch people off guard once. You know, you right. can you can excel at one specific thing, but when people figure out what your adjust what the adjustment to what you're doing is, the the real success comes from how you adjust to that. Yeah, and. I'm not writing Jamar Chase off by any means. He's still, yeah. I think, number six wide receiver for me this week, number five. But yeah, it's it's been a concerning start for sure. And the big component contention in Cincinnati too is Zach Taylor is calling a lot of the plays, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of argument. Maybe you shouldn't be. It's hard doing to that. do. Like, yeah. That's that's one of those things. Like when you have a coach GM or a coach play mm-hmm. caller, it's like, man, those are those are two full time jobs. Those are two more than full time mm-hmm. jobs. Those are that. That's, you know, guys are spending 60 hours a week doing one of those jobs. Trying to do both of them is, you know, it might just be trying to juggle with one arm tied behind your back or something. Agreed. Uh, Another struggling team, the Rams. How can we dig Matthew Stafford out of this hole? (sighs) Um, Get a time machine for Allen Robinson. Yeah. Uh, Sign Odell Beckham. I don't even know if that would help because, you know, he's coming back from two torn ACLs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Van Jefferson being healthy, I think, is going to be big because it'll give them a downfield component that they just don't have right now. They just do not have anyone who can get open and make plays down the field. I mean, Tutu Atwell had a big play last week, but he's, you know, five foot seven, 125 pounds. Like, you can't right. rely on him as a big part of the offense. Cooper Cup is incredible. The, the, the degree of difficulty of what Cooper Cup is doing right now, like, it's it's unbelievable how wide open that guy still gets when they don't I know, have it's anybody amazing. else you need to cover. Um, yeah, but it, it's hard to come up with a with a, a game plan for how this Rams offense is going to get better when they can't really block. But I think more worryingly, they just don't have anybody who can create separation down the field except for Cooper Cup. Tyler Higby's getting a ton of these drop, you know, these short area targets where it seems like they're, you know, I, I feel like the the typical Tyler Higby play this year has been like a Matthew Stafford rollout Tyler Higby in the flat for five yards. And that's like a huge percentage of his plays have just been that. And, you know, you can move the ball down the field very, very slowly that way. But when you can't run the ball, you can't hit deep plays. Like at some point you're going to run into problems. And that's been the, the, the Rams offense issue all season. And right. I just, I don't look at that offense and the the skill players they have unless Allen Robinson is just going to, you know, rediscover his previous form. It's hard to see how this team's going to get better. I think the way they're using Allen Robinson is it might just be the only way he can win at this point, which is just he can't really do much between the 20s. But when you get into the short area of the field, he can win on contested balls still and then be a red zone option. But he can't do anything else right now. So you think this is definitely on Robinson and not like, lack of time in finding him or things of that nature. I think, you know, it's a veteran wide receiver switching team. So maybe it just, maybe he just needs some time to get comfortable with the, you know, with being where Matthew Stafford needs him to be. Right. Like that was Mm -hmm. the big thing with Cooper cup last season was the, the relationship that they had. It it seemed like there was a level of trust there and Cooper cup was always where Matthew Stafford needed him to be. He finds spots in the zone. You know, that's what Mm -hmm. he's really good at. Maybe Allen Robinson just needs some time to figure out how to play with Matthew Stafford. But we're going on, you know, the worst season of his career last year where he looked, you know, I think everybody was like, well, he's checked out on a bad team. 
he might just be a guy who the margin for error was always pretty slim because he never, you know, he's not like the fastest guy in the world. He always won on contested balls. He's great on that, but maybe it's the kind of thing where when he loses a step, he loses a lot. Yeah. It's, you know, we're going on 22 games of Allen Robinson looking like this now, or 19 games. I think he missed a couple last year, but it's been more than enough time that I think he probably has lost the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, it's, uh, it kind of reminds me of like Kyle Hendricks when he loses a mile off that fastball. You know, yeah. what's where's the separation now? And it, yeah. it's not there. Uh, I could see that for sure. Uh, so yeah, I have Stafford at twelve this week, but I could you could I could make a pretty good argument for Lawrence and Dalton being ahead of him. It's more just I don't like any of these other options. I mean, mm-hmm. so many of these marginal plays are tough and tough spots. Like Kenny Pickett, tons of volume. But he gets the Bucks this week. I don't want yeah. any part of that. I mean. Russell Wilson, like, would you rather have Russell Wilson who's dealing with a shoulder injury or or Matthew Stafford? Or would you rather have Carson Wentz than either of them? I, I genuinely don't know how I feel about that group of quarterbacks. I I think, you know, this is, this is a situation where part of the problem is the standard at quarterback has changed, right? So it has, it used to be, if you got 19 points from your streaming quarterback, you were like, that's good enough. I can, I can succeed. I can, I can get away with that. Now, when Josh Allen's getting 30 points a game and Lamar Jackson's getting 30 points a game and Jalen Hurts is getting 30 points a game, and you see that on the opposite side of your matchup and you've got, you know, Russell Wilson with 18, you're, you're just getting buried. And so yeah. that's 18 if you're lucky. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, this season's 18 if you're lucky. But even, you know, Trevor Lawrence has had some good games, but he's had some real stinkers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been it's, – it's really tough. Like, like I said, I think there are – Six, maybe seven quarterbacks I feel good about. And Kirk Cousins is number eight. Joe Burrow's number nine. We, we yeah. have real reasons to be concerned about those guys. Exactly. Exactly right. Talking with Chris Towers here. Quick note from one of our sponsors, our good friends at No House Advantage. Um, at No House Advantage, they're changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play and pick them contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all of your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major league sports league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up with the promo code NHAWIRE. That's NHAWIRE at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app or on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. All right, let's go back to talking more rankings. Let's talk running backs here. Uh, Running backs, there's the obvious pickup of the week if he's available, which he probably isn't in most leagues, at least the most competitive leagues, the deeper leagues. But I did see one league where Kenneth Walker was available. Do you empty all of your fab to go get him if if that possibility exists? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the spot that we're in. There, it's always you know the opportunity cost, right? When you're talking yeah. about waivers, and if I miss out, if I do that with Kenneth Walker and someone else becomes available, but who else is that going to be like? Let, let's you know try to game it out. Who are the guys that you would rather have in a scenario where? You know, you you were picking another option. If 
Austin Eckler was out for the rest of the season, would you rather have Joshua Kelly? Maybe. I think that's probably pretty close just because the Chargers are such a, a factory for mm-hmm. running back production. You know, you look at Just Justin Jackson having big games when Eckler's missed time, but I don't know if that's I don't know if he necessarily would get that kind of workload. You know, you look at I don't know if Austin, if if Alvin Kamara was out for the rest of the season, Mark Ingram would probably be an RB two, but I'm not sure he'd be better than Kenneth Walker. So they're just there aren't a lot of widely available guys where they would right. be obviously better than Kenneth Walker. You know, I think I think you know Benjamin this week if James Connor's out and and Daryl Williams I think has already been ruled out or is expected to be, I would rather start him than Kenneth Walker. But we don't expect James Conner to miss the rest of the season, so you'd have to go with Kenneth Walker ahead of him. And so, sure. yeah, you can come up with a handful of guys who, if the guy ahead of him gets hurt, you'd rather have them than Kenneth Walker in this situation. But the the bird in the hand versus, you know, two in the bush or whatever. You know, and in this case, it's a bird in the hand versus a different bird in the bush that might be slightly better. But we don't right. know that. So you take the guarantee. You take, you know, Kenneth Walker probably being – I would rank him probably 20-ish rest of season. I think I view him very similar to like Damian Pierce, where obviously a talented player, not sure the passing game role is going to be there, not sure the offense is going to be good enough for them to get 10 touchdowns, but should be a starting caliber running back the rest of the way. So, yeah, uh, if he's available and you're desperate and you need a running back, which most of us do, all of your fab budget, you know, is is a reasonable way to look at him if you have zero dollar bits. Absolutely. Right. How about uh, you know Benjamin? If you have to make that decision tonight, uh, you just lost Penny, or you lost Williams the week before, or like mm-hmm. me in one league where I lost Williams and Penny in consecutive <sighs> weeks. I mean, I can't miss on. I, I have to spend. I have to get the best available guy this week. And you know, Walker is long gone in all but one of my leagues. I, I feel like I have to go a good solid 35 to 40% of my budget just to get Eno Benjamin, who may not even start this week. Yeah, I mean, in the leagues where waivers have already run, I, I think, you know, Eno Benjamin, from from what I saw, was like more like 25%. So maybe you don't yeah. have to go. But 30% is probably reasonable because Benjamin's a top 12 running back for me right now. Obviously, if James Conner plays, that's a different question. But right. Eno Benjamin, this this is another offense that, just produces a ton of production for fantasy running backs. They're seventh right now in total production and total PPR points by running backs uh, through the first five games of the season. They've routinely ranked in the top 10 during the Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray era. They get a ton of goal line touches, even with Kyler Murray being a very good rusher. Uh, that actually opens up things in the right. goal line. You know, they run that read option. Teams are so so worried about getting beat by Kyler Murray in the short area. Well, that's how you get James Conner with 18 touchdowns last year. And Kenyon Drake, I think, had 15 the year before. This is just, it's a great situation. And Kyler Murray actually is one of the rushing quarterbacks who throws the ball to his running backs pretty regularly. That's part of Cliff Kingsbury's offense. So Benjamin, you know, if he's in line for 15 carries and and five targets this week, I think he's going to be a top 12 running back. It's a short-term ad, but... With Connor, you know, his, he's got a history of missing time. I think Benjamin yep. is looking like one of the better handcuffs right now who you probably need to stick with even after Connor comes back. Now, I saw a note today. He's still considered day-to-day. They won't uh, give us a whole lot more than that. The Wednesday practice is hard to get good information on anyhow unless yeah. it's, like, really negative news. Uh, you know, even Jonathan Ward is out on uh, with a hamstring injury. Oh, yeah. 
He's so the only, you know, Benjamin's the only healthy running back on their roster right now. I can't remember. Yeah. They added a couple of guys to their practice squad, but they weren't. Yeah. And they I still got Keontae Ingram still hanging around too. Uh, but yeah. Okay. He hasn't played yet either. So obviously they trust him so much that he hasn't even been dressed yet for a game. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I like that one. And again, the Seattle matchup so good too. I mean, that's right, just right. like. They, they haven't been able to slow anyone down. Yeah. Uh, the, the, this it's, it's funny that I kind of was avoiding Seattle players in the draft. And now I'm, I'm kind of regretting not having more exposure to DK and Lockett, let alone, uh, you know, Geno Smith even being a guy that we can use. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's hard. Like it's so tough because Geno Smith, I think unfairly has been a punchline. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the one, he got drafted by the jets and that just doesn't work out for anyone. Uh, right. And then his teammate punched him in the face. And so it was just kind of everybody wrote him off as this, you know, joke of a, of a player. And, you know, people were surprised that he was still around, you know, I, I think. But maybe he's good. I don't know. Like, it's such a small sample size. You don't want to overreact. But the throws that he's making, the throws that he made against the Saints last week were like, this was not dinking and dunking. He's throwing the ball down the field consistently. He has the highest completion percentage on passes traveling 15 plus yards down the field. Like he's been outstanding. There's going to be regression, but Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are really good wide receivers, especially down the field. They're both great at getting open. DK obviously great on contested catches. They're both good with the ball in their hands. It's just, it might be a much better situation than we thought. And I think they're giving up the highest. I think I saw they're they're giving up the highest uh, percentage of first downs of any team in the league. So they're also, you know, they're in a lot of shootouts, which helps. Absolutely. Yeah. To your point on DK, I mean, remember week two, Justin Jefferson kind of was very quiet against the Lions. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, Akuda was on him a lot. Next week, DK Metcalf was getting shadowed by Akuda, and DK was owning that matchup. Just. Utterly destroyed him. And, and, you know, DK is a different type of player. I mean, he he's just a physical beast. I mean, he yeah. just totally outmanned him. But the fact is, I mean, that that there was not a problem in terms of, you know, that, that shutdown corner. If things, you know, and Lattimore didn't slow things down either yeah. last week either. So, uh, yeah. That's one that, like, Lattimore, I mean, you just ask Mike Evans how yeah. tough Marshawn Lattimore is, especially for those bigger physical receivers. But, yeah, DK and, and Tyler Lockett, it's – I thought this might be the worst offense in the NFL. Like, granted, that was when I thought Drew Locke was going to be starting. I think Drew Locke is just bad, whereas Geno Smith might be at least decent. Um, but yeah, th- this situation—it's very—it's kind of similar to Detroit right now, where yeah, they can't stop anybody. They—they're moving the ball very efficiently, and it might just be a, a situation where you just want a lot of players playing in games with the Lions and Seahawks. Absolutely. 100% agree. Do you see the quote? Carol today said something like, Drew Locke is still breathing down Gino's neck. Like, this stop. is. I, I write my newsletter, the Fantasy Football Today newsletter, and anytime I mention Pete Carroll, it's always like anything Pete Carroll says, it's just you have to take this with a bolder sized grain of salt because he is unfailingly optimistic about every single player in public. He, right. Maybe he's not like that all the time, but anytime you ask, if you ask him about the, the, 53rd player on their roster. He's going to make that guy sound like a pro bowler. It's just, right. it's who he is. You can't take anything he says about injury seriously. Cause he's always going to give, you know, uh, Kenneth Walker, when he had the, the hernia surgery, I think the first quotes from Pete Carroll were like, yeah, he might be out a few days, you know? And it's like, this is just, that's <laughs> who he is for better or 
from our perspective for worse, because you just can't trust anything he says. Um, right. You know, it, it feels a little less nefarious than the Patriots version of it, where they just like, it feels like the Patriots are just lying. Right. Whereas right. Pete Carroll is just, he's just sunshine and roses. And, you know, on that topic, I just saw Damian Harris was limited in practice today. Sure okay. he was. Sure yeah, he, he was. Probably yeah. got one half, half speed rep just so they could list him as limited. And, you know, that's, that's the thing when you, when you, when you do this job long enough and you're following the news long enough, you start to learn who you can and can't trust when they speak. And I don't believe Drew Locke is, is giving Geno Smith real competition right now. Nope. Uh, it's kind of like Jerry Jones <laughs> saying that uh, Dak could be playing by as early as week three. And here yeah, we are or, week six. Or, and, or yeah. Cooper Rush might keep starting. You know, yeah. who, who knows? It's like, yeah. And, and in that case, Jerry Jones just wants people talking about the Cowboys. Yeah, for sure. It, it, by the way, is it still, it's so weird to me that every week we list, we hear from the owner about the Cowboys injuries all the time. It's always because yeah. Jerry Jones likes to talk. Loves, loves attention. So do I. I mean, I'm yeah, who am I a podcast every week. So yeah, exactly. Shame <laughs> on me. But uh, anyways, uh, let's, before we move on, I talk about a couple other good running back matchups. Uh, we have to share another note. Uh, there are 50 million fantasy sports players and sports bettors in the U.S., but 90% of all cash prizes are won by only 2% of players. That's because most sports gaming options were created for pros. You know, the dudes dropping loads of cash on data to find an edge over the rest of us. Not Swagger. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who simply want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Are you tired of losing because of one bad pick? With Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You simply create a ticket of four to ten simple player props and score points to the ones you get right. Your score determines your win, not the perfect ticket. You can be half right and be all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site, as much as 50 times your money. Plus, you can play fantasy football along with the major U.S. pro sports, as well as international soccer, Formula One, NASCAR, fight sports, rugby, cricket, and even esports. Ready to play? Visit playwithswagger.com slash rotowire to sign up, and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out, plus match your first deposit 100% up to $100. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. We're here with Chris Towers from CBS. Uh, Chris, I, you know, Cleveland, surprisingly, all of a sudden has become this ticket to the carnival that you really want to get your running backs going against. How high do you have Ramondre Stevenson this week? So I, I have a, I have what, call, what I call like a stupid projections process. And when I say stupid, I mean that it's not like some fancy model with, you know, coding and all that stuff. I just kind of, I have a few inputs based on, Vegas totals and usage and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. that's just kind of my baseline just to like, here's let's level set. Let's get, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know what the term would be, but just like, a. gosh, I'm completely blank. But anyway, that's how I start my rankings process. And then okay. I tweak from there. And when I started it and I plugged in projected usage and scoring and all that, Roger Stevenson was my number one running back this wow. week. And I was like, Whoa, okay, let's, let's, see what's going on first. Cause I also had, you know, Benjamin as a top six running back initially. And mm -hmm. so it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, what am I missing first? And then, and then, you know, but with, you know, it's, it's really just that even when the Patriots offense isn't good, you know, they're 21st in offensive scoring right now. They're seventh in running back fantasy points in PBR right. scoring that this offense just routinely i think they're the only team over the past four seasons to rank in the top five in ppr points from all their running backs every season different offensive coordinator this year 
same thing. You know, we're not seeing the defined roles in the same way that we have in the past, but mm -hmm. they're still throwing to their backs a lot. They're still running the ball a ton, seconding carries overall. They're running the ball effectively, which they always seem to do. And so you add it all up against a matchup in Cleveland that, you know, they're giving up the fifth most rushing yards right now. Teams aren't, teams don't have to throw the ball against Cleveland because Cleveland's never going to like break big plays unless it's Nick Chubb going crazy. And, right. and so you look at it and you say, kind of a perfect situation. Ramondre right. Stevenson in PPR, he's my number four running back. I've got him just behind Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and Leonard Fournette. Um, and it just, it's, it's such a good situation. I, Pierre Strong might be able to play this week. Uh, Ty Montgomery is eligible to come off the IR, but I don't think he's going to. Like, it's just, he's going to get a ton of carries. He's probably going to get 18 to 20 carries and, and probably a decent passing game workload too. So I just, I think if you've got Ramondre Stevenson, things have worked out pretty well for you so far. He's been a, a viable fill-in. He looks like a an absolute must-start option if, Melvin, if Damian Harris misses multiple games. Again, for I sure. mentioned earlier, Damian Harris was limited. He'll be listed as questionable for this week. I don't think anybody expects him to play. You know, this is, I think Jacoby Myers missed two games with that knee injury. The initial report was he's probably going to miss a couple of weeks. He was listed as questionable. Every of course, week. of course. So that was, that was, you know, that's what's going to happen with the Patriots. Right. Um, but yeah, Stevenson looks like an absolute must start player. Yeah, I love him this week. I actually have him seven, but I mean, it's like okay, McCaffrey versus Stevenson. Okay, yeah. no, no one's gonna really argue with you that much, but it is a bad match against the Rams. But if you if you have a spot where like you're questioning whether you're starting Ramondre Stevenson this week, you're probably in a pretty good spot anyway. Like that, that's yeah. I think that's the way to look at it. It's like yeah, exactly. if you have to sit Ramondre Stevenson this week, that means you have unbelievable options and you're probably okay either way yeah i think that's exactly right Brees hall finally had his huge breakout game against uh, uh, uh last week uh against miami inter you know it was an odd game flow sort of game you know teddy mm -hmm. bridgewater getting hurt on the first play of the game uh all the things that happened there but nonetheless we've seen an increasing role from him every single week this mm -hmm. is what you see a lot of times with rookie backs is it time to just kind of plug and play him every single week going forward yeah, he's RB16 for me, so he's in the, like, Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Ezekiel Elliott kind of range. Um, but I would start him over Elliott. I would start him over James Robinson. I would start him over Miles Sanders, you know, just because the the passing game role for both of these Jets running backs, you know, what we saw on that 80-yard play that he had that was almost a touchdown last week, it was Carter and, and Hall were both lined up in the backfield alongside Zach Wilson. I think there was a a play action fake to Michael Carter, Brees Hall kind of leaked out for a wheel route and he was wide yep. open. It was a really nice play. And so, you know, this offense leans on the running backs pretty heavily. That makes it hard to trust any of the wide receivers. I think all three of those guys have talent, but just not enough for them. But Brees Hall, you know, the, the rushing workload that he has, he's playing about 60% of the snaps the past two weeks, maybe a little more than that. Um, I really like what we've seen from Brees Hall. I think he's an exceptionally talented player, and yep. I don't think he's going to give these snaps back to Michael Carter, who's pretty good in his own right, by the way. Yeah. I know a lot of people are worrying about Carter vulturing the end zone uh, carries there, the red zone carries. I'm yeah. not too much. It's kind of funny because Carter was the guy that was seeding the red zone carries last year. Uh, yeah, and, and, 
and at least one of Carter's touchdowns came immediately after that 80 yard play for that's right which you see that regularly you know DeAndre Swift there was a couple of situations earlier in the season when he was healthy where you know it was worrying that Jamal Williams was getting all of the goal line carries but it was because at least on three different occasions I think DeAndre Swift had a huge play where he was downed inside the five and guys tend to come out after that you know maybe Christian McCaffrey doesn't and and Saquon Barkley doesn't, but pretty much everyone else comes out after those plays. Yeah, so. happened with Eckler last week after the yep. 71-yard run. Absolutely. Exactly. Happens all the time. Uh, who, who's a guy that normally you'd start that you think is a bad start this week? It can be running back or receiver. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if we're like – I don't know if James Robinson's in that spot at this point. He, he might just be out of the normally I'd start him, but yeah. obviously based on the first three weeks, we, we looked at him as someone who, you know, we thought, yeah, this guy looks like a must start running back. And then I think the, I don't, it's so hard. I don't want to be mean, but he like, even on the 50 yard touchdown run you watched and it was like, this guy's not moving that fast. It just like right. the defense just way over committed and there was nobody there to chase him down. And so I think he's in that spot where you probably sit him. I think, you know, I mentioned Alan Lazard as a, uh, as a sell candidate for Kyle Pitts. He's someone that I, I generally am pretty skeptical about mm-hmm. starting. I, I think, you know, my preference would be to not start any wide receivers in the Jets or Packers game. And so that, that would include Alan Lazard. Um, and I'll say, Jalen Waddle, just because of the the situation, it does sound like Skylar Thompson's going to start for Miami. I think right. Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill are both the kind of players who only need one play to be worth starting in your fantasy lineup, so it's always hard to go away from them. But Thompson looked pretty overwhelmed in uh, week five, obviously going in cold as the number three option, two plays into the game or whatever it was. That's a tough spot for any rookie, let alone a, a seventh for round sure. pick. But it makes Jalen Waddle a lot harder to trust. I agree. I agree. I do have Waddle in a couple places. Started to kind of shy away from him because he had that mysterious leg injury the last couple yeah. of weeks. So last couple of weeks of draft season, I stopped taking him, but I had him a lot of early drafts. Uh, and yeah, it is a dilemma on that one there. Um, I got a general dilemma question for you, but we got to sure. do one more bit of reading. Uh, one more read first, and then uh, we'll hit that up. But football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action you're looking for. College football, is, is that's more your speed. They've got plenty of that, too. A monkey knife fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com, and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. I'm here with Chris Towers uh, from CBS, and... Chris, we talked about the Dolphins and, you know, Skylar Thompson getting the start here this week, most likely. An issue I think that's made it harder for us is the concussion issue. I mean, we've been clamoring for teams to take things seriously. Mm -hmm. We saw what happened with Tua. We also saw what happened with Teddy Bridgewater, where he signaled that he was okay. And it had a huge impact on the game, had a huge impact on our leagues. I'm finding it's really difficult to rank some of these guys, the concussions, and knowing exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think the the high-profile nature of Tua's injury was always going to lead to some kind of change in how teams approach things, whether it's, you know, the official changes that we saw or teams just generally being a little more cautious mm-hmm. with these situations. You know, it's it's all it's it's an impossible question to answer, right? The, the concussion is. question, and it's not just an issue 
in the NFL. You know, a lot of people are, you know, focus laser focus on the NFL because it's the most obvious place where concussions are an issue. It's a contact sport, but you know, you look at uh, European soccer, you, you look at exactly uh, what NBA. I was thinking of. Yeah. I remember, I remember there was consecutive games in the NBA playoffs, maybe four or five years ago, George Hill, uh, suffered an obvious concussion, was cleared to go back into the game. And I think Harrison Barnes, it was the next night, uh, landed on his head, got taken to the locker room, and then was cleared to play, returned, and then taken out. And, and so it's it's these situations where the guys want to play. It's not like you can have the doctor, you know, you know, when they rupture an Achilles, the doctor can rub the back of their leg and like, okay, yeah, there's some damage there. It's, you know, they're not going to be walking with the limp most of the time. So it's it's a situation where there, there's probably no good answer for how you approach it. You know, it, the guy stumbled, so you take him out of the game. Well, in, in some cases, it might just be a guy stumbled for a different reason. You know, we still right. don't know with Tua. Like, they, they say it was the back injury. What, what, you know, was that real? Or, like, we just don't know. So it's, it's a situation where, like, you're always going to be looking at imperfect answers to quest to the question of how how you handle concussions who gets taken out of the game when when they're cleared to play sometimes concussion symptoms don't come into effect until later you know sometimes you have a couple of hours or a couple of days even you know i've seen situations where guys took a big shot and didn't get diagnosed with concussion until two days later yeah so it's it's just a the NFL is to a certain extent making things up as they go along and teams are reacting to, right. um, to public outcry. And, and I think the, the way I look at it though, is there are probably going to be more situations where teams err on the side of caution, which right. probably isn't a bad thing, but from our perspective for fantasy, it's going to create situations like Miami where mm-hmm. maybe Teddy Bridgewater didn't need to go out of that game. But now Miami's probably going to be without their top two quarterbacks two weeks in a row just because, as Mike McDaniel said this week, you know, he would rather start Clay, Skyler uh, uh, Thompson excuse me, with <laughs> a full week of practice um, than Teddy Bridgewater, who can't be cleared for pre- contact even in a best-case scenario until Friday. And so, you know, it's, it's tough. I, I don't like unfair. I don't know if that's the right word. I know a lot of dolphins fans are upset about it. I, it just kind of, it, it is what it is and it's bad luck. And there, when you err on the side of caution, there are probably going to be situations where guys get caught up in the protocol who don't need to be, but right. I would rather, I would feel maybe this is just, it doesn't matter how I feel, but I would feel more comfortable watching games, knowing that they're erring on the side of caution, even if it's, you know, right. In some instances, maybe reactive or performative or whatever word you want to use. For sure. For sure. And of course, the Dolphins are going to be under greater scrutiny than any other team in the league right now. So yes, there is that. Um, I mean, we've got a number of guys that are in that boat. We've got Chris Olave. We've got Pat, mm-hmm. Pat Fryermuth. Um, Isaiah McKenzie could miss a, se- a second week here. I mean, it's entirely plausible. We have yeah, seen Fryermuth. players miss two weeks. Fryermuth is worrying because he did have two concussions last year. Didn't actually yeah. end up missing any games with them. But, yeah. you know, once you start, it's the kind of thing where once you start seeing multiple concussions, they, one, tend to come a little easier. And mm-hmm. two, the the effects tend to be a little more uh, harmful the more concussions you have. So that's Absolutely. always a concern. Yeah, I coach youth sports, and we see that in youth soccer all the time. I mean, yeah. kids bump heads. It happens. And 
especially the younger they are, you know, you've got to be watching that even more closely. So it's, it's a tricky issue there. Absolutely. Uh, so you do your rankings every week. Where can people find them? Uh, yeah, the best way to do it would be the CBS Sports Fantasy Football Today newsletter. That's kind of my main goal during the fantasy football season. I also host the Fantasy Football Today in Five podcast, which is a, you know, we, we say five minutes. It's usually more like seven minutes. We're trying to get uh, the the news and everything you need for for the day in, in a, okay. as small a format as possible. But, yeah, cbssports.com slash podcast, cbssports.com slash newsletters. Fantasy Football Today newsletter goes out. I think it's eight times a week, every day but Saturday. We get two on Sunday and Wednesday. So, you know, make sure you subscribe to that. I, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you guys do it for multiple sports. I noticed, I mean, you, you, you've always been great on baseball as well. I think that's where we first started connecting. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I like that you're also like a, a fan. You're a sports fan, a generalist. And, you know, you play oh, yeah. whatever's in season. I love that. You know, I don't like, even I, I don't even root for my own teams anymore at this point, really. Like, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of a few teams. I'm a Marlins fan, but that's that's mostly just because I feel like I don't deserve anything better. But, you know, for the most <laughs> part, I just I just like watching sports. I don't I don't, yeah. you know, don't necessarily even have the rooting interests anymore. I just I hope everyone has a good time. As well yeah, I'm there you go. For. Nice, nice. And you know, some people like yeah, you know, they focus strictly on their fantasy teams. I'm a Reds fan. I mean, and, and the team betrays you as badly as they did. It makes it hard. I mean, it, it becomes the old Seinfeld bet you're rooting for laundry eventually. Exactly. That's exactly the case with the Marlins. Yeah, like four different times now. Yeah, and it's just it's really really difficult. But then you get a run like the Bengals had last year, and you're like. Oh yeah, this is why I stay a fan. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you get rewarded, but it's so few and far between, especially when you you root for traditionally downtrodden teams. Uh, you don't you don't have these built-in advantages. Yeah, it's easy to be a Dodgers or a Yankees fan, or yeah. you know, every anything. Boston sports team in the last twenty years. Exactly, exactly right. Um, so it goes, Chris. Awesome stuff. Uh, appreciate your time and great insights as always. Uh, we'll do that again next year. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet, Chris Towers, everybody. Uh, we're going to take a, uh, we got, I mean, I'm not going to take a break. We're going to sign off for today, but uh, coming up tomorrow, we got Mario and John. Thanks for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. <laughs>